Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely a pleasure, privilege to come before you. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We've got lots of help from lots of good people, but we certainly have an uphill battle and we have a really exciting show for you today. Um, it's always a pleasure for me to interview career military people, having been raised by a career military officer. And uh, I understand a lot of the protocols, the viewpoints. And I, ladies and gentlemen, I, I got to tell you, I encounter a lot of retired military where I live, and they are all to a person unhappy with what's going on. We're going to be interviewing today Bob McGinnis, uh, retired lieutenant colonel, U.S. Army, graduated from the U.S. Military Academy. Uh, postgraduate school, command and general staff college, and the Army War College strategy course. His career service spans four infantry divisions on three countries. And he's done a lot of work in communist countries, and we're going to draw upon that experience to talk about what's happening here today and what the average American really seems to have very little ability to comprehend what's actually happening to us as it unfolds, it's just like we're blissful ignorance is the rule of the day. But Colonel McGinnis has also written a terrific book, and I've been enthralled with it for the past several days. The book is entitled Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism's 13-chapter work, and uh, published by our friend Tom Horn's company. It's fantastic, fantastic book. We'll be telling you more about how to get a hold of that. Colonel, glad you could join us. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. It's my privilege. Well, I've been seeing you all over the place. I have to be honest with you, whether it's on Fox or catching you on various broadcasts from friends of mine in the media. And um, you're singing such a consistent message with other career military people. I mean, my position is this. As an American citizen, I want our military to be as strong and as tough. I don't need to hear wokeness. I don't need to hear that nonsense. I care about one thing with our military. They can defeat our enemies. That is the only thing I care about. And not only am I concerned about that now, I'm also concerned about our government doesn't have the same resolve as they should have either. And I want to start with your experience in third world countries in communism and draw upon your experience there to talk about why we should be concerned. And then before we finish, hopefully we can lay out some some solutions, some suggestions of things we should be doing as a country to get back what we need to get back. Well, yeah, that's, I think, important to kind of set the context there, Dave, that, uh, you know, I, I've spent a long time uh, both in uniform and out of uniform. I still work at the Pentagon, and so I have uh, a continued almost 50-year span of uh, experience. Yeah, I started uh, after the military academy uh, a long spent a year on the demilitarized zone in uh, between North and South Korea. So I, I saw an ugly side there. Uh, I've visited uh, Southeast Asia. I've visited uh, Hong Kong. I've peered into the People's Republic of China and even have my own copy of Mao Zedong's Little Red Book, uh, which is a celebration of his quotations from the uh, Cultural Revolution, which I think is not that dissimilar from what we're experiencing even in the United States today. I spent several years on the Iron Curtain, and I've even traveled in the former uh, Soviet Union. Uh, and my own stepmother was 
an escapee from communist Czechoslovakia, and uh, an assortment of other things as I've traveled across the world. So I do have some insight with regard to Marxism, communism. I've been to Cuba a couple times, and so I've kind of been around, and, you know, when not doing this sort of stuff, I've been here in Washington, and just like a lot of people, rather upset about you know, what's happening with the Biden administration and the cancellation of the Trump-era decisions and programs. And I've even you know, put together a long list of radical changes, thanks to Mr. Biden, that are incredibly upsetting, you know, such as what he's basically removed the southern border uh, and, of course, uh, the violence in the country, uh, the national debt, the foreign uh, energy dependence that we abandon our independence that Mr. Trump gave us, uh, what they're doing with regard to critical race theory and what they're doing to weaken our military as you began the explanation. You know, even hearing the chairman of the Joint Chiefs saying things like he has said and the CNO saying things. Uh, and of course, uh, the whole thing about what uh, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, has uh, had a, st a stand down uh, for us to go through, you know, so-called extremist uh, identification training. And I went through that as well as a result of being part of DOD now. So these are all issues of grave consequence, I think, for the future of America. And, and that's kind of setting the context for, you know, give me liberty, not Marxism, because I'm clearly concerned about the direction of this country. Let's, let's talk about the, what you just brought up there about extremist identification within the ranks of the military. It's just been my experience from the outside looking in when I was a kid growing up on military bases, reflecting on my dad's career, that if you're not putting the interest of the military ahead of any other personal interest, your career is not going to last very long. And, and I don't understand how they're embarking on extremist identification of career military officers who've had success. What's going on with that? Well, it is very troubling. And, you know, the... The, the, the news does cover some of that, uh, but keep in mind the people on the E-ring, which is the outer ring where the, all the senior people uh, have offices at the Pentagon, you have people in there that are politicians. They're politicians first and, and often military uh, experts second, and as a result, they've brought the agenda of uh, Mr. Biden from the White House and imposed it. Uh, within the, the confines of the Pentagon, and that permeates the entire culture. Um, general officers, um, with few exceptions, uh, tend to be politicians themselves. That's how they get promoted. And so we've, you know, thanks to, I would argue, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, uh, and, of course, uh, Mr. Biden, yeah, we have today a politicized uh, senior a core of general and flag officers. Now, not all of them. Uh, some of them are outstanding citizens. They love America, and they're doing the right things. But others are, are caving uh, to a political correctness, which is rather disturbing for professionals such as myself. Yeah, it's the political correctness. To heck with that. It's uh, kill the other side. Keep us safe. <laughs> You know, the thing that's amazing to me is this, and, and I can speak from real experience. The military is the most diverse and culturally appropriate organization inside this country. It has no equal. 
because when you're in a foxhole, the person next to you who you depend on, they depend on you. You don't care what their background is. You're not measuring their identity politics. So isn't this really a misnomer in terms of trying to purge the military in the interest of some kind of political correctness to eliminate racism? Well, yes, because uh, we've been a very you know, functional, very well-integrated, uh, productive organization, certainly the 50 years, 52 years I've been associated with the U.S. Army. Uh, unfortunately, uh, politicians come and go, and they bring their own agenda. And I've been in many meetings with you know, political uh, appointees that you know, make it very evident as to what their agenda is, and they voice that agenda uh, upon the ranks of the armed forces, either mm. through policy or through decisions that they make. And we're seeing that, unfortunately, with uh, you know, Lloyd Austin. We're seeing it with you know, the other appointees within the administration. And that's why Congress has got to force you know, the military to you know, put aside this pol- these political issues, these, the, the extremism issue that they have got under their bonnet, and focus on being ready to fight the next war. Now, I've written a number of books, uh, one of which is Alliance of Evil, which talks about you know, the new Cold War with China and Russia. Now, that was written three years ago. Uh, and uh, I, in spades, that has you know, panned out to be very, very true. Uh, I don't think anybody that uh, follows what's going on with China and Russia today would dispute the fact that we're in some type of hostile situation regarding cyber economics, uh, certainly ideological, uh, and of course uh, military as well as technological. And all of those fronts, uh, we are suffering as a direct result of the ongoing, uh, I argue, Cold War that could at any time uh, mushroom into something very hot and very dangerous to the future of this country. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of issues there. You know, paralleling what we're talking about is what you said in the book about uh, education. I, I, I thought that your reference to Ronald Reagan and a nation at risk, and I was just starting my career as an educator at that time when that report came out, and and I had no idea where the dumbing down of America started. I used to interview Cheryl Iserby, um, and uh, she was the Assistant Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan, and she call, she coined the phrase the dumbing down of America, and I look at it what happened here, and I started doing some research on it, and it's always been this way. Thomas Dewey had the most influence on education, and he was an absolute Marxist. I mean, he went and uh, viewed Stalinist classrooms and tried to bring those practices back here. Um, how do you view education today in line with what you're talking about with the Marxist takeover of America? Well, I certainly have a chapter in there, as you know, with yes. regard to the background. And, you know, what a lot of Americans don't understand is when John Dewey went over to Frankfurt, Germany in the mid-30s during the height of the Nazi regime, uh, he rescued basically a, a host of Marxists that were in the Frankfurt School. And he brought them back, uh, thanks to you know, some large endowments, and placed them in our teachers' colleges and even in Hollywood. Interestingly, uh, Willy Munzenberg, uh, who was one of those Jewish Marxists from the Frankfurt School that John Dewey brought over, uh, he planted him in Hollywood. And it's interesting what Munzenberg said. You know, let me read to you that one sentence. He said, I intend to make the West, the United States, 
uh, so corrupt. It stinks. We're going to rock them from within, and we're going to teach immorality to the young people. We're going to try to push pornography, and we're going to try to increase alcoholism, end quote. Now, he was one of a host of these people. You know, the influence, it can't be understated as to how significant not only did they influence Hollywood, but similar thinking went into our public education establishment thanks to Dewey. And so when they got into these places, the, the Harvards, the Princetons, the Columbias, and so forth, uh, they began to proselytize others to embrace these radical Marxist ideas. And so where did a lot of what's going on today come from? It came thanks to what Marxists uh, that were planted long ago, decades ago, uh, started to promulgate within you know, our classrooms, within the minds of our teachers. Even the teachers' unions have become a major problem and a, and a conduit uh, of some of this radical thinking. You know, we, we know the teachers' unions are putting, pushing critical race theory, of course, which is Marxist at its core, much like other ideologies that are being pushed today. Well, yeah, would you say that Marxism is characterized by divide and conquer? Because that's what critical race theory is, and it is being pushed by the National Education Association. Of course. That's how you take over, and I deal with that and give me liberty, not Marxism, is right. how you take over a society. You first have to figure out how you divide. You know, it's interesting that, you know, if you talk to people that grew up uh, in communist China, especially during the Cultural Revolution, you know that they divided people by class uh, and as a result were, were successful. The same thing happened in East Bloc Europe uh, when, the, when the Soviets were taking over uh, that part of the world. Uh, they would go in and divide. Now, when they came to the United States, and we have our, uh, a lot of our law schools and a lot of collegiate people to thank for this, they said it, that approach will not work in America, but we can find another division point, and that is race. And so they used race in lieu of class, and they went at uh, the process of using critical race theory uh, to divide us. So that's exactly what they've done. They have every intention. This was very deliberate. Uh, and, of course, it is very consistent with you know, the p political philosophy of Marxism, which seeks to divide. It seeks to, as you may know, in, in the Communist Manifesto and Das Kapital, which are products of Marx and Engels, you know, that they really claim that inequality was created by the capitalist system. And so what they want to do is to trigger a social revolution uh, and they want to create a classless, or in our case, a raceless society where there's no private property, uh, where in fact you, know, you have things that are characterized by no religion. They're incredibly anti-religion. In fact, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, the author and a philosopher from Russia who you know suffered at the gulags under Stalin and later under other leaders, uh, said that the crux of Marxism is his anti-religion agenda. And so that needs to be understood. That's the first thing, of course, to go after. Yeah, that's, also, ex go ahead. that's exactly right. Uh, we're going to step aside for a real quick break here, ladies and gentlemen. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Colonel McGinnis about 
what he sees happening in the media as well. You know, with 13 chapters, I'll just say this before we go into break, with 13 chapters here, and each one containing different aspects of the Marxist takeover of America, ladies and gentlemen, we're being attacked on multiple fronts. I, I, I gave a talk recently privately to a few legislators. They wanted to know the connection of Governor Doug Ducey to Communist China and what I had discovered. And uh, they're looking at censoring him from the Republican Party. And, and, and they were shocked at the multitude of things I gave on multiple levels. And the one thing I hope that we get from the remainder of our interview with Colonel McGinnis as you listen to him speak is we're under attack from multiple directions. Ladies and gentlemen, we talk to you constantly about the need to prepare. And when you look at South Africa, when you look at what's happening in Cuba, when you look at what's happening around the world, and you look at the broken food supply chain, the meatpacking plants that are still largely unattended, not open, the fact that Bill Gates and Joe Biden, they're not joking, they say you're going to eat bugs, and Biden said you'll have one hamburger per month. These are all mainstream media quotes, people. And the thing I'm asking you, do you have storable food? Are you ready to get by for a period of time while the craziness straightens itself out? I mean, we will get back. I think the pendulum will swing back the other way at some point in time. But getting through that interim period in a survival mode is really important, and we can do that for you at MPS. MPS has a great discount right now that is available at preparewithdave.com. 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories per day on the servings, and lots of diversity so you don't habituate to the food and refuse to eat it. So you can stay on this long term. That's not organic, but it is healthy. So I'm going to encourage you to go to preparewithdave.com. Also, too, we represent the satellite phone store. And one of the things that really concerns me is we're having a cyber grid down drill on August 11th. And I think if the government's concerned about this, we should be, too. Do you have alternative communications? And that can come in different forms, but there could come a time when you can't use your cell phone, you won't have access to Internet, the grid could be down, but it's very possible, very likely, that your, cell phone, that your uh, satellite phone could survive and a wider range of coverage, and that's why we're happy to be bringing to you this opportunity. And they'll tell you all about it. All you have to do is say, hey, Dave Hodges said to call and said, I want to uh, protect my ability to communicate with like, like a family. If a crisis happens and your family spread throughout your city, you might be able to communicate with them. In fact, the chances are that you will. So give them a call, 855-980-5830. That's 855-980-5830. Well, we're speaking this morning on the Common Sense Show with Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis, a West Point graduate, has experience in multiple theaters uh, in the infantry. He's been to communist countries. He's seen Marxist takeovers. And what I'm saying to you folks, having read his book, Actually, I read one of his chapters on education. I read it three times because there was so much in there. You need to pay attention to what Colonel McGinnis is saying because we are going through what other countries have gone through. Uh, Bob, let's go to uh, the media for a second here. And, and what you wrote in your book reminds me of what the Soviet defectors said they were going to do in the media as well when they defected and they made the revelations in the 80s and 90s about how they were going to pervert American society through using the mainstream media. Can you talk about that? Oh, certainly. You know, at the, the top of uh, a book I wrote a couple of years ago, Progressive Evil, uh, you know, I say in 1956, Russia's communist leader Nikita, Nikita Khrushchev said, quote, we will take America without firing a shot. We do not have to invade the U.S. We will destroy you from within. 
and, and that's precisely how the, the communists uh, have intended uh, from the very beginning. If you look at the 1917 revolution in Russia, uh, Lenin, the first thing he did after conquering the white Russians, uh, the czar and his followers, was to take over the media and to pump out propaganda that fit his you know, ideological purpose. And we've seen precisely the same thing uh, in this country. Uh, some of the same people that I mentioned went into Hollywood, went into our education establishments, also came in here to Washington and, and took over very significant uh, media outlets. And, of course, we've seen that you know, through the years. Uh, there were congressional hearings in the 40s and 50s on those very issues, and it was confirmed you know, that, yes, uh, there were I ideologues that were deep embedded within the media. Now, over the last few decades, I would argue it's gotten much worse. You know, the, the ideological background of virtually all mainstream media people happens to be incredibly progressive, if not socialist. Uh, and that comes out in the way in which they write and they speak and the topics that they choose to address. Uh, that goes for social media and others as well. You know, certainly the influence of communist China uh, and its ability to propagandize the American people through you know, legitimate so-called outlets, uh, whether they be the Washington Post and New York Times or others, uh, certainly they you know, have their hands around a lot of radio as well as television broadcast, and of course, you know, they have influence with regard to Microsoft and others. So when you look at it in a broad sense, you see not only did we have a history beginning with uh, the 20th century from the very beginning with the infiltration into our media, uh, it continued and it accelerated in fact, in the late part of the 20th and early part of the 21st century, now especially with the Chinese involvement and their massive investment. And yes, they do have influence over elections. Uh, they do have influence over, over the content. And they do not embrace uh, any criticism, which, of course, is one of the reasons we're fighting an uphill battle with regard to you know, trying to hold China accountable for COVID-19. Yeah, and it's amazing to me, too, about the COVID-19. I'm watching a medical spokesperson last night on Fox being interviewed about the origin of the leak, our origin of COVID, and 80,000 species tested, not one tested positive for COVID, yet they're expecting us to believe the fiction that this happened naturally. Well, that's the, the nature of what we're dealing with it. You know, if you understand the communist Chinese agenda, President Xi, who's been in position since 2013, has made it very, very clear. He wants to be the world's hegemon. In other words, they want to be the center of the world. They want to control everything. They're building up their economy, clearly. They're building up their military. And ideologically, they're using the influence through Belt and Road Initiative, which has tentacles out to 140 nations, to begin to leverage the geopolitical situation virtually across the world. And so this is, this is very dangerous. You know, just yesterday I put out something on what the Chinese are doing in space. You know, they have uh, a space station, and they're building it 
you know, incrementally up over the next couple of years, but they have a very long-term agenda in space to include the weaponization of space. And, of course, that makes us rather vulnerable because we are so tethered to the satellites that we have up there. And that, you know, really is key to our economic prosperity. It's key to our military and so forth. So, you know, we need to pay close attention to what the Chinese are doing. They're robbing us blind for intellectual uh, power and insights and capabilities. They're robbing our weapon systems. Uh, they're all over our university systems or within the media, as we've talked about. And, of course, they're uh, in our schoolhouses and influencing exactly what is being taught and what's not being taught. Now, I can't yeah, over uh, state just how vulnerable we have become because we opened our doors and invited you know, many of these communist Chinese and their surrogates into this country. And as a result, you know, we are incredibly vulnerable and we have to stop being so naive. Yeah, I see this uh, Chinese influence in many areas, but too specifically because of my background. Uh, you know, I'm a former educator, everything from ninth grade to postgraduate university. And I, I actually ended up leaving public education in the college setting because I couldn't stand what was going on. And I'll give you an example. It was in 05, I was sitting in a meeting I was invited to, and I don't know why they invited me, knowing I was a conservative. And they were telling us, don't educate your students about American exemplarism. And I said, well, can you define what you mean? Well, yeah, well, we're really no better than, uh, than China. Uh, we're really no better than they listed all these third world despots. And I said, well, it's a good thing we have a constitution. <laughs> you were saying this in another country. They'd probably take you out and shoot you. But to me, that that's what I began seeing was a de-emphasis of American exemplarance, a de-emphasis of American culture. And I saw it within the college system, and now it's manifested with critical race theory. And, and I'm wondering, with critical race theory, have you discovered the origins? Because here's what baffles me. School boards are elected by local people. Now, I know only about 10% of the people vote in a school board election, but they're still locally controlled political organizations. How is it that these school boards, and I must have seen over 70 videos on school board meetings that show this controversy, how is it that they're able to ignore the will of the people with from all backgrounds, people for, who are black and Asian and white? They, they all hate critical race theory. I, I, I have a hard time finding a parent who supports it. How is it the school boards are ignoring the will of the people, and what's motivating them to do that? Well, certainly the teachers uh, and teachers' colleges are uh, you know, ideologues to a certain degree. It takes yeah. four years to indoctrinate them. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, uh, the unions. Uh, unions have been infiltrated you know, from the 30s uh, up to the present uh, by Marxists. Now, it's not just you know, blue-collar unions, but it's also teachers' unions, and we see that played out today. One of the things that when you talk about you know, the college campuses, if you look at the most influential books uh, for humanities in liberal arts colleges, virtually every one of the top reading assigned books are Marxist sympathetic. Uh, you know, David Horowitz wrote a, a book that identified 150 leftist courses offered at 12 major universities, and, and it, they made it 
basically uh, mandatory that uh, you would you know, embrace ideological ideas that are clearly Marxist. Uh, and, you know, one, one such one was in Santa Cruz, interestingly, University of California, of course. And it says, quote, this is from their leaflet, uh, the goal of this seminar is to learn how to organize revolution. Now, do we need in a liberal arts college to teach people how to conduct a revolution and to organize for it? I don't think so. But yet, you know, that's the sort of thinking. Now, keep in mind, a lot of the, you know, the young people uh, when I was at West Point that were out there protesting against the war in Vietnam and so forth, uh, they left that scene once Richard Nixon pulled us out of Vietnam, and they went into college campuses, and now they're tenured, and they're college professors, they're college presidents, and they're you know, really indoctrinating uh, the current and the future generations as to you know, their radical ideas. And many of those ideas were clearly Marxist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before I retired from education, I actually uh, was uh, teaching for a private Christian university, and I even saw some of these ideals slip into this. Now, it wasn't anything like the public institutions, and you were still able to talk about God and American values without being laughed out of your classroom, but I've even seen a move in that direction as well, too. Uh, In fact, the Chinese influence, where I see it the biggest, Bob, is in big tech. It used to be 10 years ago, if I was in some kind of social media or even five years ago, I could talk about the Uyghurs in China and how what a horrible treatment they're getting and the Falun Gong and live organ extraction, all the stories that come out of communist China. And you could say that today, if you look at China crosswise and you're in social media, they're going to cancel your platform. Well, because it's a giant marketplace, much like the Hollywood movies, you know, a producer of a new movie goes to China first and makes sure that they satisfy the people that are vetting their films before they even produce it. And then after they produce it, it has to be screened again to make sure that there's nothing that's contradictory or there's nothing that's really discriminatory or critical of the communist in Beijing. And we've seen that throughout. Yeah, Microsoft, it's a big business over there. Uh, Clearly, uh, Google, it's a big business over there. All of these mainstream, giant social platforms, technical platforms, uh, even the the whole issue of uh, 5G around the world, you know, the Huawei's of the world, they are touting what the communist Chinese doctrine is all about. And yet, quite frankly, there are only a little less than 100 million communist Chinese. The, the vast majority of the Chinese people uh, really are not too happy with their own lives. However, that's the nature of communism. And, of course, they've, they've kind of you know, distorted the, the true Marxist agenda by bringing in you know, the opportunity to have a capitalist undercurrent to feed their ideological uh, agenda. So all of this is is part and parcel of what we're dealing with today, which makes it more complicated, even in places like Cuba or Venezuela uh, Mm -hmm. and elsewhere. Yeah, interesting, too, in in your book, um, on page 308, you were talking about institutional penetration. That's my phrase for it. 
how to infiltrate and take over an institution. And along the lines of what we're talking about right here, um, you, you just repeated this, but I wanted to make sure that uh, people who are trying to familiarize yourself with your book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism, folks, right here in the book, and I'm going to read to you two subtitles here. This is incredible. Uh, actually, three subtitles. Strategy number three on infiltration of institutions, taking over a national political party. I think anyone who's paid any attention to anything, the Democrats are gone and the Republicans are on life support. Strategy number four, controlling all communications and public thought. So here we are. We are members of a republic. Uh, we are members of a country that has guaranteed civil liberties, guaranteed by God. Yet we can't talk on major media about potential election fraud. You can't talk about human rights abuses of communist China. And then the strategy number five, controlling language. Uh, it, it's, it, you, you can't talk about the efficacy of vaccines. You, and you can't talk about uh, why it is you have to wear a mask after you've had a vaccine. Uh, why it is people with vaccines are now coming down with COVID, like the Texas legislators that ran from their duty in Texas. You can't talk about that without being canceled. Can you address that in a little more detail, the way you talked about it in the book? Yeah, well, you know, certainly political correctness, ideology, you know, the, the whole issue of trying to transform a culture, like during the Cultural Revolution that we're experiencing today, is you have to you have to basically issue a vocabulary and you know punish those that are not using that vocabulary the way it ought to be um, and we we saw that certainly in Eastern Europe when they were becoming communists we saw it in, in China when they were becoming uh, communists and transitioning during their cultural revolution you know Dave you know, one of the things, you know, big thing about "Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism," I talk about, of course, is is our cultural revolution. It's it's almost a mirror copy of what we saw in China. Yes. You know, you you mentioned the Democratic Party. Well, they're one of the co-conspirators, and the list of people that are sympathetic to Marxism within the ranks, not just Harris and not just Mr. Biden, but deep into that organization, their association with known Marxist organizations, known media outlets that uh, promote Marxism is, is pretty pervasive. And then, of course, the Chinese communists and how they fuel our revolution to their own benefit. Uh, and, of course, I think uh, the Great Reset is going to lead uh, potentially to China getting what uh, President Xi said he wanted, and that is world dominance. Uh, I talk about the education, which you've mentioned, about the media, uh, and, and of course the secret societies, the, you know, the Satan and his demonic army, and how they're you know, very involved. And then, of course, uh, the ground troops are the Antifas, the Black Lives Matters, and so forth. So when you look at all these co-conspirators that are fueling the revolution, you begin to understand uh, that this isn't by accident. It has been brewing for some time. It had an opportunity with, I would argue, with the Great Reset, the COVID-19 issue, and we're beginning to see the, the outcrop, the, you know, kind of the result of these investments that these radicals have had for some time. And that's incredibly disturbing uh, to a large degree because most Americans don't want this. And yet, you know, just like in every other culture where they have been intimidated uh, to 
bow to the likes of Marxists. Uh, we're beginning to see that in this country, whether it be through masks or you know, vaccinations or whatever it may be. Yeah, well, you just said a mouthful there. Um, one of the things, actually, you get a lot of support for what you're saying in your book from a researcher from New Zealand named Trevor Loudon. I don't know if you're familiar with Trevor or not, but he went through and he cataloged 80 people connected to the Democratic Party, including Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, uh, and so and who are tied to either uh, subsets of the American Communist Party, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the biggest terrorist organization in the world, or at least at the time that he printed that it was. And it's just absolutely incredible how we have elected people who run contrary to the belief system of America. But I think the best thing that really illustrates what you just said was Ocasio-Cortez and her recent comment. Now, people remember, she raised her right hand and promised to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. And she came out and said, one, Trump is responsible for what happened in Cuba. No, sorry, the embargo she referenced uh, started under Kennedy and continued to the su subsequent presidents. And then number two, she said Cuba has a fine operating government. And this is a member of Congress. Yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons that we created that those sanctions and embargoes was because 90-something uh, percent of every dollar sent down there ended up in the pockets of Marxists. You know, the people didn't never got the money. They live in desperate, you know, privation and poverty down there. But, you know, what we're seeing in Cuba today, I would argue that they they are saying on the streets, give me liberty, not Marxism, and they're doing so loudly, and yet it's not resonating here, except, you know, you're beginning to hear from the likes of AOC, or you'll hear from Nancy Pelosi, or uh, even Biden, who doesn't like to criticize communists, which I find just you know, unacceptable. You know, the U.S. has a uh, reputation for standing up for human rights and liberties, and yet uh, these people are taking us in a very wrong way. And I think to a large degree it's education, David, and that is a lot of Americans you know, who grew up over the last 20-plus years don't have any understanding as to uh, what totalitarian communism was all about. They, they haven't read the Black Book of Communism. They don't know how harsh that life is you know, the 100 million-plus murders that the communists committed. And so what we're seeing in Cuba today is a natural reaction to a massive oppression by people that truly understand what they've lost and want to gain it back. And yet, you know, we're not doing everything we can to help them. No, but we're not doing anything we can do to help ourselves either. I mean, um, I was involved on my own initiative, but I had really good inside sources, election officials, a couple people from the audit team until they shut them down with non-disclosure agreements. And the voter fraud that went on was horrendous. And yet you can't even go into a big tech platform and talk about the public findings. Like Senator, State Senator Sonny Senator, uh, Borelli here from Arizona came out and he was parroting a lot of things I said two months ago. like. Dominion never surrendered the election codes to the election officials as they were supposed to for their machines. And I published that two months ago. I take heat for that. But Sonny Borelli came out and echoed that two days ago. Here's, here's my point, Colonel. You can't even tell the truth about the Marxist takeover of this country. Not only is it all-encompassing, 
the Marxist takeover is being done with stealth and with covert means. And it reminds me of JFK's secret society speech back in the 60s. Yeah, and I, I quote that, I think, in, in Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism, you know, where JFK was speaking to uh, a bunch of journalists, as I recall. Yes. And he basically said that, you know, he believes in the power of secret societies. And that's why I have a, a portion in the book on, on secret societies. I had one in an earlier book, The Deeper State, uh, because if you really want to understand you know, the power structures within major capitals and across the world, you have to understand the flow of money and the flow of influence, which goes hand in glove with that. And secret societies are real. They're, you know, the, whether they're the Bilderbergers who are you know, so-called kingmakers, and, and I've known some people who actually have gone to those meetings, uh, but they actually get together and they kind of you know, develop agendas and they say, this is what needs to be done. Now, uh, the ideology that they bring to bear uh, may vary from person to person, but typically they're seeking self-enrichment. And we've seen this through a host of Americans, uh, whether it's the Bill Gates of the world or the Cooks or others. Uh, they have a great influence, and they're using all sorts of conduits out there uh, to accomplish their, their means. And Marxism really feeds into the elite. Uh, you know, if you look at a communist regime, the people that have the money are the elite that really control the government. Uh, and unfortunately, here in Washington, uh, we have the same problem. It's, it's, it's not what our founders had in mind, but it's what has uh, come to roost here in this 21st century. No, you're taking the words right out of my mouth, but the element of fascism enters in here. Um, people have asked me, if I could make one change in government, what would it be? And I said, I would make it illegal for any corporation to influence an election through monetary contributions. See, I think this is what's neutered the Republican Party from standing up to the Democrats. I said, when the, when the Democrats left Texas so they didn't have to vote on the voter rights, I made the point, why, doesn't the, why don't the Republicans do the same thing so they can't have a quorum in Congress with, with all this Marxist nonsense going on? And then the biggest thing, and I'd like you to comment on this, the office of the president has become the office of the dictator. The things that are being done that are most damaging to us, like canceling the Keystone Pipeline, is coming out of executive orders, and that's unconstitutional. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Biden, what, canceled at least 50 in the first couple of months, and you know he's writing new ones all the time. Uh, it is the bureaucracy of uh, big government, uh, something that our founders never intended to have, but it's the reality. And... And, of course, if you go down to L Street K here in Washington, you know, it's lined with rich lobbyists. And, of course, the town is filled with spies that, you know, are, have pockets overflowing with money. Uh, they are trying to enrich their companies, you know, get leverage in their companies. I, I've, I've been a lobbyist uh, when I was with the Family Research Council. We were promoting you know, family value issues, and we always ran into walls. Uh, I can remember taking a, a leading Chinese dissident uh, going to a, a high-level Republican congressperson and saying, well, we want you to support, you know, sanctioning China on human rights, uh, and 
by the way, they're doing some things that are threatening us militarily. And this person pushed back and says, well, I can't because uh, my donors uh, in my district you know, are very favorable toward Chinese industry. And so that person refused to help us, even though they said they're sympathetic with what's yeah. going on and they want to help us out, uh, but they couldn't. Uh, and we find that not only in uh, the legislature, in, in the Congress, but you find it in uh, within the government. I can say that because I've been there. I've been in the White House. I've been in justice. I've been in state. I've been, you know, obviously, many years in the Pentagon, and I've watched these outsiders come in and talk uh, about various and sundry things. Um, you know, that's a whole other book, but... You know, it, it's it's really scary what what does go on. So when I talk about globalism, when I talk about the deep state, I, I will tell you, uh, with many many years working in this area, I've seen it firsthand, and it's not pretty. Yeah, exactly. We're going to step aside here for our last break, and we're going to come back with Colonel McGinnis and talk about some final thoughts. And I do have a couple of more poignant questions about the future. But let's talk about the present right now. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the economy. I don't have to make these numbers up. We're $32 trillion in debt. We're getting ready to acquire $6 trillion more of what we can't afford with infrastructure, climate change, uh, the unscientific climate change, I might add. And remember, folks, I'm a trained researcher. I've written two courses in it. I taught it at the university level. This is my wheelhouse. And I'm telling you what they're doing to us, both with vaccines and that lack of pseudoscience. I mean, you look at everything, folks. We are being lied to magnificently, and they're telling us the economy's fine. No, it's not. 29-year high in inflation. We're going to hyperinflate. Uh, there's no way. Now, I think the dollar will be the last currency to go. So we'll see the warning signs before it hits, but I'm just telling you right now. I represent a company called Noble Gold that can bulletproof your a lot of your investments. And I went from being an advertiser for them to a customer three times over. And I tweak every time circumstances change. If you have assets to protect, you really need to call the good people at Noble Gold. And they will not push you. They're trained to make you make the final deal and push the deal through. You will not be harassed to close any deals with them. And I had, every time I've talked to them, I had some, okay, well, let's do this. Come on, guys. Listen, assets to protect, call them. 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. And just as a reminder, we turn down 90% of the advertising that comes our way on the Common Sense Show. And the reason that we do is I want to stick to things that I think people are going to need. And uh, what we've talked to you about today with our advertising is exactly in that spirit. Well, we've been speaking with Colonel Bob McGinnis and uh, with just an incredible background uh, coming out of the military academy, his experience in communist countries, his experience with infantry, military strategies, and the like. Bob, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, and, and I realize if you can't give me the full bore answer, but I kind of have a feeling after reading your book you will. I, I am really concerned that if we're not pushed into a war, which I think we're really, really close to, especially with China and in the South China Sea, if we're not pushed into a war, I'm really concerned that we're going to start to see huge bifurcation within the ranks of the military, and we could have a civil war based on those divisions. Do you have any opinion on that? Well, civil war is not out of the question. You know, I look back at the civil war that divided this country, and it was over, of course, slavery primarily, 
uh, but there are other factors. Um, we're a divided country today, which is very distressing. Yes. Uh, and it's along ideological lines. Uh, we saw that in the election. And you know, it's been undercut by uh, what I, I believe is a lot of fraud. Uh, and so those issues will continue to uh, metastasize, I think, in the country. Uh, are we facing a war, I would argue that it depends upon who we ally ourselves with. I believe the communist Chinese will invade Taiwan probably within the next five, six years, and uh, we may or may not choose to go to its rescue. Uh, I think the Chinese would sink an aircraft carrier, one of ours, if given the opportunity. Uh, and of course, if Taiwan is attacked and successfully, then China will, you know, turn its eyes to Japan as well as South Korea, and that would not uh, be beyond my uh, expectation. You know, people need to understand, the Pentagon writes an annual report on China uh, military. Uh, I read every one of them and have for the last 20 plus years. Uh, the Chinese military is powerful and very capable. In fact, I've, I've worked from Japan to Australia with their militaries and continue today. So. I'm very concerned about the direction, the weakening of our military, in, in, even though we do spend a lot of money, it's not as wisely as it ought to be spent. And the threat is, is growing exponentially every year, and it's in all domains. So yes, I think that one, internally we could face civil war if we don't get our act together. To, and then of course we could face external war uh, with especially led by China, but there'll be other factors in there as well as Russia, Iran, North Korea, yeah. and so forth. A lot of mitigation factors there, that's for sure. Uh, well, this this could have been a four-hour interview, but I would be remiss if I didn't uh, we didn't talk to my audience about how they can get a copy of your book. Well, you know, certainly Amazon. Yeah, you can go to uh, Defender Publishing. Yeah, clearly, they'll. They sell it and they'll they'll send it out. Uh, just about uh, Barnes and Nobles, you know, you can go to Target. You know, just about anywhere that they sell books, it, it's available. And so I would encourage people to, you know, I, I unlike others that are writing in this area, I actually have on the ground experience, and I'm writing from a uh, Christian worldview, which is a little different than many others as well. So it's a, a rather unique book, I would argue. Uh, because I always try to understand you know, what God has in mind in this regard. We have almost a thousand uh, citations in here, 993 to be exact. And one of the things I want people to know is everything we have talked about in this interview related to the book is cited in here. 993 citations, people. And it's an easy read. I sat down and I said, I just read that too easily. I need to go back and take some notes. It's really an easy read, but it's a fantastic read. It also speaks to me, there's going to very quickly be a need for a follow-up book on this. Because what you wrote about, you took America to the edge of the cliff in many of these areas we've discussed, but uh, I don't think there's any quick coming back. And I think that the story is going to continue to unfold about the Marxist takeover of America this is with us for generations. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Uh, and it's been brewing for generations, arguably, as we indicated with the 
you know, John Dewey up to the present in terms of education and the media, and then, of course, the takeover of government, which began decades and decades ago. So, yes, uh, if we're going to get out of this, it's going to have to, you know, be across the board, and it's going to take a lot of effort, and it will take time. Yeah, and I, and I don't see the other side giving up anything without a physical struggle. I do mean violence is in our future. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis. His book is published by Defender Publisher. That's Tom Horn, and we all know who Tom Horn is on here on this show, and, and available in all the regular outlets. Fantastic work, Colonel, and, and I appreciate your service and devotion to your country, making my world safer. Well, thank you, Dave. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again to Colonel McGinnis for that fine interview about how America is becoming a Marxist nation, and I think we've kind of crossed the Rubicon. The question is, as we talked about, can we turn it back? I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, um, this podcast was interfered with three different times. People did not want to hear, have you hear this message from Colonel McGinnis. Fantastic, fantastic servant of the people, great military man. No wonder Fox News loves this guy. I love this guy. And America should heed what he's saying. And listen, freedom is not a spectator sport. We all need to get off our collective you-know-whats and get to work. Uh, we're going to be looking, coming up in future shows, about the bastardization of our education system, and in particular, critical race theory. But there's also a substitute being weaved in. And we're in the process of investigating something called social-emotional learning. And I'd like for you out there who may have experience with this with your kids to give me details of what it is you have email dave hodges at the common show.com and put in the title box s e l for social emotional learning we think it's an end run around the prohibitions against critical race theory and i want to know what's going on inside your child's classroom I want to know details, curriculum, uh, lesson planning, what your kids are coming home and telling you. Are they trying to divide parents from kids? I'm getting some of that. And we're going to compile a cross-section of parental responses. And I'm going to be preparing a show on this monstrosity. Uh, and I'm, I don't like what they're doing at all. First of all, too, I, I don't think schools should be involved in guiding the moral development of kids. That's the job of the parents. Do your damn job and teach reading, arithmetic, and math. We don't need you to raise our kids. And I look at how liberal some of the teachers have become, and we sure as hell don't want them to be like you. And I'm being very serious. There's many fine teachers and administrators out there, but we have an increasingly growing rank of people that I want our kids to not imitate at all. Hey, well, look, again, we're brought to you by some great people here. Noble Gold, if you have assets to protect, you need to call them. 877-646-5347. 877-646-5347. And also, too, if you need a satellite phone, and you do need a satellite phone, believe me, you want to give them a call, too, and find out what that's all about. 855-980-5830. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. And again, thanks to Colonel McGinnis. And we will see you back here on the next broadcast on The Common Sense Show.